0: Time of Reagan, and before the rise of Seagal, Snipes, and Van
1: Dam, there was an age undreamed of. Unto this land came Arnold the Austrian. He was a barbarian, a demigod, a killer robot from the future, and he was destined
0: to wear the crown of Hollywood upon a troubled brow. It is only his chroniclers, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran who can tell you of his legend this is his saga podcast de la vista baby <laughs> so, yeah, I,
1: think, uh, I think you know what we're talking about obviously it's week two
0: Right? It's week two. And it's a big one. Yeah. This is the movie that made me love Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) We, of course, are talking about 1991's Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Of course, directed by James Cameron, who has the magical ability to make sequels that are amazing to movies that should just be left alone. (laughs) And, of course, co-written by uh, the same James Cameron with William Wisher, who wrote the screenplay... Yeah. to Judge Dredd and the 13th Warrior. Yeah. So notable mentions. <laughs> but oh my god. So joining us of course on what is at the box office the biggest thing Arnold Schwarzenegger has ever done, the entry point to nearly anybody who loves Arnold or knows Arnold and if they've only seen one Arnold movie, chances are it's Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. But joining us in the studio is of course our good friend Joe Pretty from the View from the Gutters podcast.
1: Joe, uh, welcome back.
0: Uh, I'm, I'll, I'm back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here, Joe. And our listeners don't know because you can't see him, but uh, Joe has a beard like an Assyrian king. It's a thing of beauty. Can't I have to? I'll, I'll have to, to avert my eyes because it's, <laughs> it's it's blinding me it's, with its beauty.
2: It's thank you. Yeah. I I pride myself on it. I, th- I think I'm going to get it trimmed. Because oh it's no! Don't a little... do it. Oh, you lose your strength that way.
0: So oh. so, Joe. We've already asked you the first question. We know your history with Arnold. We know you're a longtime fan. Yes, yes. Um, was this your entry point? Was Terminator two the first Arnold
2: movie no. you saw? So uh, Terminator was, I think, the, probably the first wow. Arnold movie I saw, and then I caught them as they would happen. So like, I I, I, I was the Terminator, Commando, Predator. Um, but I remember. T2 being one of the first movies I was actively excited to go and see in the theater. So in 91 I was I think I was 13 when this movie came out and I remember sitting in the theater waiting for it to start and I remember the feeling I had watching this whole I that this movie Probably is one of the reasons why I love movies today. Wow! Mm-hmm. I, this this movie fucking blew my mind. I remember the theater I went and saw it at. I remember walking out into the daylight and just being like, "Holy shit!" Because even then, I had this idea that the sequel couldn't be like Terminator. Fucked with me, man. Like Terminator was a very emotionally like that scared the shit out of me. Right? I had to watch it with no sound on mm. because it was so like I mean. It's a very well done movie. It's yeah. very suspenseful.
1: I mean, it's it's a horror movie, right? with a With a sci fi twist, a sci fi setting, yeah, essentially. And this is something that's actually a little different than that. It's 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 still got an unstoppable monster that is uh, uh, that is run. Oh, actually, you know what? What I why should I be doing the synopsis? We usually make our guest Joe. Could you give us a one paragraph synopsis of what? the story is about for Terminator 2 Judgment Day.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) This is much more, the last movie I had to do this for was (laughs) Batman and Robin. Oh, don't bring it up. I'm enjoying this a lot better. You say it three times, it'll come back, Joe. (laughs) It's never going to come back. So so, uh, the movie is about uh, young John Connor, uh, and John Connor from the future sends a uh, T- 101 model back in time, which is the Arnold Schwarzenegger model, to protect young John Connor, who then, uh, from the T-1000, who Ooh. is a uh, liquid metal, um, shape-changing, unstoppable monster of unbelievable horror, Uh John Connor uh, realizes that the Terminator has to listen to him, because technically John Connor is his commander, uh, uses... Uh, the Terminator to rescue his mother from the mental institution where she's been since the events of the first movie, ostensibly. And uh, they basically go and try to keep um, Skynet from becoming self-aware by uh, raiding Cyberdyne systems and destroying the pieces left over from the first Terminator. And uh, hijinks ensue. No, hijinks don't ensue. (laughs) Bad-ass shit
1: ensues. Yes. Yes. Oh, I I didn't know this. I I watched it I watched these movies several times before we do these. Um Jim Jim Cameron says in the director's commentary that this was the first 100 plus 100 plus million dollar movie for for budget. Yes. Mm. Yes, it so, was the most expensive movie of its time. Basically. Yes, it
2: was at the time it was made. It was the most expensive movie ever made, and it is still, if you adjust for inflation, it is still the top-grossing R-rated action movie of all time. Oh wow! Oh wow! Well. And it... I looked into this. I looked into this, and yes, like Deadpool is a hundred, a cool hundred and twenty mil behind it.
1: Hmm. Like
2: this made almost five hundred million dollars. That's incredible. Yeah for 91 1991. Yeah. And
1: and certainly this is how the war, America and the world came to know who James Cameron really was. Yeah, I mean there is, was there was Aliens which was great. There was there was lots of an Abyss obviously, but T2 is what everyone went to see with their grandmas, you know. I think that
0: almost everything he had done was kind of priming up for this and this was the explosion. I mean this was such a huge deal. This was the first R-rated movie I saw in theaters. Yeah. Well, this movie was an event. Absolutely. Uh, I just I remember that it blew me away. I saw Terminator 2 before I saw Terminator 1. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's interesting because there's a lot of things that you would assume on paper would go against Terminator 2. One is that, it, the one thing that sequels that I hate do, which is, hey, let's just remake the same movie and change a couple nouns... Like, Ghostbusters 2 is basically Ghostbusters 1 with a couple changes and things right. like that. It's like It's got the whole thing with them getting arrested by some city official. It's got the training, the, the whole montage of them ghostbusting. And then they have to figure out something to beat the monster. And it's, it's all that same sort of stuff all over again. Terminator 2 actually has a couple things like that, where it's got Terminator arrives from the future, yeah. beats up some dudes and steals some clothes. It's got a highway chase. It's got a climax
1: at a factory. Searching for Connor, uh, you know, the race to search for John Connor. It's got all
0: of that, but despite all of that, it has all of this new stuff that poured into the movie, too, and not just that Arnold was the bad guy in the first movie and now he's the good Terminator in the new movie, but it actually upped up the science fiction elements of the movie from the first one, that there's a lot more stuff about the the value of human life and the idea that a robot can be... Reprogrammed and learn, and one of the things it can learn from adapting is it can actually learn
1: to be a better person in many ways than most then, people <laughs> yeah
2: well, yes exactly and, and
1: and I think James Cameron himself said that the film is also about dehumanization, right, because they're talking about the apocalypse, which is the most in inhuman thing that can can happen, um, and about how Sarah Connor herself is pushed pushing herself to become dehumanized, to become herself a Terminator.
2: Yes. there's. So the DVD version has the uh, extended cut. It does not have the theatrical cut, although you can find it. And um, there are a lot of scenes that are on the DVD that aren't in the theatrical cut that really expound on that. And I really found that profound um, because I think that that is a major theme. When she... um, to jump ahead when she goes to kill miles dyson Mm -hmm. and she's sitting there like kind of curled up against the 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 staircase and john gets there and she's like i i almost killed him right like i almost became there's a line in the in the untouchables that i always come to i have become what i beheld yeah right Mm -hmm. like Hmm. that she has become this thing right she has looked into the abyss and the abyss has looked back and she's almost given into that And at the last second, she stepped back. And I think that's a really good point. Hmm.
0: That she almost became the Terminator. Yeah, exactly. That she's somebody who is killing somebody to prevent a future and that she can show up as a cold, merciless monster and blow somebody away. But at the last minute, she has that level of humanity that if you get the impression Sarah Connor is somebody who has done everything she can... To change herself into the person she thinks she needs to be. She's yes. molded
2: herself into a... I mean, I remember the trailers for this movie. And coming off the first movie, like, she's very typical... I don't want to say eye candy, but like 80s movie kind of women's She's beard.
1: slight and petite. Yes,
2: yeah. and she's, 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 a, she's a very attractive, you know. She's got this big hairdo, and she, you know... I remember in the fucking trailers for this movie, seeing the scene where she's doing the pull-ups on yep. the bed, yep. and you're just like, "Holy shit!" Because this is not nowadays. People are fucking dropping twenty pounds and getting ripped yeah. overnight to be in movies. Yeah. Back then, that was not a thing. Like, yeah. I remember De Niro. It was a big deal that De Niro put on like eighty pounds or sixty pounds for The Untouchables because that mm. was conceived as this incredible commitment to his <laughs> to the role he was playing. Because now it's just commonplace, right? but i remember thinking like she did 3 hours a day for like 18 weeks
1: yeah well what's what really is incredible when you when you draw back is that this this is actually a great showcase for the evolution of Arnold as an actor because he obviously gets to go back and sort of remix i guess the performance that made him famous essentially in Terminator yeah. but uh, really all, almost all of the heavy lifting for the entire movie, for the dramatic stakes of this movie, are in Linda Hamilton. Linda their, her, her, Hamilton, performance.
0: she really should have won an Oscar, or at least been nominated for Best Actress for <laughs> yeah, this movie. Yeah. Because I think that she is a character who, I think, stands head and shoulder over almost any female action star that I've seen in almost anything. Because not only is she a total badass, and she's smart, and she's clever, her escape from the mental institution, that whole sequence, is one of the most imaginative intense human uh scary moments and a lot of it is just her performance
2: oh god when she's fucking wheeling back from him yeah and that whole yeah she sells the shit out of everything she does in this movie she is just fantastic and and,
1: you know you bring that up and i think that i think that actually that set piece the the hospital set piece everything the the leading up to it and then them and then ending with them getting away is like the real meat and potatoes of the, that entire uh, – because all of the storylines are coalescing together. In that the, moment. Yeah, in, yeah. That, in that moment that's there. Um, and, of course, it's supposed to be – it's supposed to – it was the reveal that I think they had in the trailer that destroyed the twist of the movie. Right. Oh. So, I mean, we we got to talk about the fact that, of course, everyone was expecting Arnold to play, again, the bad guy. Um, but the trailer ruined it by showing the sort of the levity moments between him and uh, – and John Connor, in reality, if you watch the movie chronologically you don 't know you you might think that robert patrick 's character is actually the good guy come to protect him
2: well i, and I remember I, I, maybe I just kind of i, I don 't know maybe I, I don't I remember going into the movie not being exactly sure what was going on, but that just could be i 'm a little slow to pick up something sometimes <laughs> it was not because i don 't want to assume anything but i I, I definitely think that um, Going into it even now, this is almost thirty years later. Yes. Um, it's still even even knowing it, you know, she's still it's still so powerful. Yeah. Like just the look on her face when she sees him, that whole oh, scene. she
0: rounds the corner and the terminator. Right as yeah. right, she's about to escape. It's Oh, right uh, around the corner. Well, I mean- yeah,
2: right. And then and then she sees the other one coming and she's just like, Oh my god, what the fuck? And like the look on her face when she's like sees John and she's like, Oh, wait, but like you're alive and he's there and like what's going on? And I think she does a lot of really, really incredible nonverbal acting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not something you see a lot anymore. Like, you know, everybody wants to chew the fucking scenery. But yeah, no, it's, she's fantastic. She's
0: great in this movie. She's she's angry, and she's scared, and she's vulnerable, and she's driven. And I just love that moment that she spent, like, 10 years prepping for having to fight this shit. And she sees it, and she she has a moment of vulnerability there after being a complete badass. And it's terrifying because this is the most terrifying thing she's ever seen, and it's fucking back.
2: Yeah, this is the stuff of her nightmares. I think it's interesting to me because so much of this movie is good directorial choices Mm -hmm. and it's, I, I just, I look at what the fucking God awful tripe that fucking James Cameron is peddling these days. And I'm like, you used to make fucking amazing movies, but the one thing he's always been really good at, I think is having these really like not the stereotypical strong female character. That's just basically a man in a dress, but a woman that is driven by, that is well that is well written that you understand yeah Yeah. right that is well characterized so you understand her motivation because i I think that's missing i I think he
1: said i think james cameron on the the commentary said um that he was trying to base a character around the type of attitude that people who are parents get around their children the protectiveness but then of course because it's a movie ramp it up to 11 because she her protectiveness is like oh, I've got to save my child because he's going to save the human species. Right. <laughs> and absolutely. that's, that's a lot to ask of a character at, you know, a lot of to motivation to pump into a character. And certainly, um, I, and I also think that, I also think that the, the, the movie does something that's really incredible at, with Linda Hamilton. Um, when she goes to she uh, she aborts killing Miles Dyson and the movie takes a different tack. Right, um, originally it's just we have to save John because John's going to be the leader of the resistance. He's our only hope. Um, then it became then it becomes oh we can actually change the course of the future. And then it becomes and then the movie takes on a different scope and scale for the conflict. Is it's not just will the T one thousand find them? Will they go back into danger? Exposing themselves for him to find them, but it's also this is might be our chance to end it, it's and a, that's that's a huge leap forward from just making remaking the original movie once again with another villain.
2: No, absolutely, and I think that's what I. I don't want to say it saves it because I don't think the movie needs savings, but I elevate. I, elevate is a good word. You use that. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> uh, um, Because I think raising the stakes in a movie like this, as you can see from some of the sequels of this movie, Mm -hmm. is something that is fraught with danger because you can totally lose the thread. But this, one of the things I was struck by is I mean, you could could
1: argue that the thread was lost on everything after this movie. Oh, absolutely. Hands down.
2: Hands down. And I think it's because this movie has a very... I think where where what makes the first movie so compelling is the lack of that human element, right? It's it's very much the same thing that makes Jason terrifying, which is this mm. he will not stop. He absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead, right? <laughs> this idea has entered our consciousness. We people were making jokes about this shit, right? Like my Italian grandmother, she'll she'll not stop until you're a fed, right? <laughs> yeah. Like shit like that. And I think that this This does a very good job of introducing that human element and saying, we can take this back, right? And we don't have to do it by killing everybody in our way.
1: Right.
0: That if if something that's programmed only for killing can grow, then we can.
2: Yeah. You don't have to be a... Oh, fuck, I always forget. You don't have to be a machine organism designed only for killing. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> well, so I got to
1: think about how difficult also it was to execute this. Uh, that's a loaded word, execute, <laughs> where um, they had to make the Terminator character, whose who's real one characteristic, notable characteristic is that he just murders everyone um, from the very beginning. Arnold's terminator doesn't kill anyone and in fact he later gets explicit uh, sort of an explicit message from John you have to follow my orders you can't kill anyone you'll understand why later um, that's really hard for him to se- seem scary and unstoppable if he can't just take the people that are trying to that are trying to murder him and just put a bolt through their head yeah. right uh, but he
0: does he does learn that that thing over the time I mean that's his character's arc yeah.
1: is that it would have been so easy for
0: him to just be killbot again and it's weird because this movie happens after Arnold became a thing. The, mm. the first movie was the beginning. Terminator was his first mega movie. Massive blockbuster hit. I mean, Conan came before it, but Terminator was the thing that made Arnold Schwarzenegger a name that everyone could pronounce. Yeah, household name. And yeah. every movie from Predator to Commando to Twins, all of that is him as a megastar. Happened between these two movies, so now he's not just a figure who's been cast for the role of the Terminator. He's not only the, the not only the person who made this role famous, but he's been this whole big megastar and a thing and a persona. So now James Cameron, who could have very easily just said, give the audience what they expect, said, no, I'm going to push Arnold harder, not just as a physical actor, but stretch him as far as as, as an actual emotional actor. And I, I'm going to say this, and I think this is going to be something that may get me some level of hell, but I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really think Arnold in Terminator 2 is one of the great science fiction performances of an actor playing an unemotional character. That has a real sense of humanity to him, and I would put him up there with Leonard Nimoy's Mr. Spock. Wow, as yeah. terms as it, you can feel something that's almost paternal from. He still has all the elements that make him the Terminator, like you said. He will not stop, and he still has this this single mindedness that I think defines the Terminator. Like there are moments where he dives into traffic, and if shit happens as a consequence of the stuff that he's doing to save John. Like, he doesn't even turn his head to look at the car accidents that he's causing. If something gets in his way, he dispatches as quickly as he can within the rules that John sets for him. And he does, he learns it like a robot, which is to say that he knows the word of the law, but not necessarily the spirit of the law at first, where that security guard at the mental institution comes out, and he immediately <laughs> pulls his gun and shoots the dude's knees out. Fucking, oh my God, yes. And John is he'll just live. like, what the hell are you doing? He'll he's like, live. He'll live. He'll <laughs> um, live, yes.
2: And, and and just his handling from them on, then on, I think, watching it this time, I had a much bigger appreciation for the whole, because because of the DVD scene, they do the whole thing where it's like, okay, you can specifically set my CPU to be learning. Oh, yeah.
1: They they try to reset a CPU, and Sarah Connor tries to smash it Just, immediately because yeah. she's still in the throes of being like, no, we've got to kill it. I think that um, – I think it's better if without that scene, actually. You really you
2: do, See, I, I was on the fence about that scene because part of me liked it because part of me thought it was exposition that was unneeded because he said it. And I think mm-hmm. once you've said it, you can hand wave it. Right. But part of me also liked it because it implied it sets John up to be the leader that he is. And that's one of the other things I was really struck by is mm-hmm. that he's this kind of fuckheaded, you know, he's this shitty little kid. Right. And he's kind of a dick. But when you put him into this situation, he continually steps up,
1: right? Right. He starts to sound more and more like the leader as yeah, the show goes absolutely. along. Absolutely. At first, I was just like, he's so whiny. If you were to have a Terminator animated series, Young John Connor would be voiced by Yeardley Smith, yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but you know, but yeah, by the time you get to the end of it, it's just sort of like it's exactly like Sarah's arc in the first Terminator. You know, the on your feet soldier. Yeah. Is right. that you can? Is that you can see? She started off as this sort of timid. Uh, like doormat of a person, and by the end you can understand oh this is this is a woman who could raise a leader yes that's there, and with John Connor, he starts to think about what 's actually happening and to uh, out himself um and you know like the, the when she goes after dyson he come he comes to the conclusion: where would my mom be going right now she 's going after Dyson. you see the arc of John Connor becoming the guy who is brilliant enough to figure this stuff out yes,
2: and that 's kind of but I think it's also there 's a human element to him because he's talking to his mother about that and he's like listen if i'm supposed to be this great leader you need to trust me right like yeah. that's what you need and we need him we can't do this without him yeah and i think yeah. that there were so many things cuz it had been years since i've seen it since i'd seen it last and so i i kind of like that scene for that i i agree that i i'm kind of in the middle about it i think part of it yes it is expository about the, C- the cpu smashing, the CPU is smashing and yeah. it's
0: also good because it's a part of sarah's arc as well because how could you ever trust this person even though it's not the same terminator this is a person who was part of the most traumatic day of your life yeah yeah and that it's it was such a jarring thing that your whole life before and after that day are completely different worlds that those two sarah connors for the one from the beginning of the first movie and the one from the beginning of the second movie, if they met each other, they would have almost nothing in common. Oh, no, absolutely not. Absolutely and, not. But the the idea of her having to not... Because, of course, the minute that a Terminator is in a vulnerable state, you're going to fucking smash that shit. Yeah. And it makes sense. And I, I like that scene for that same reason. And but i
1: it also kind of explains how he's able to become as human as he is, yeah, and then it, it, it i mean I think you could you can just assume that it, that's that happened in the future before I, he got sent back i mm. I, you I could. well
2: but it works both ways it's but not I like because this. skynet they he said he says in that I mean, I guess you just cut that whole part out and you're just like, yes, you just I can learn, I can switch it on, yeah right, right, but i i I don't know. I think I'm 60-40 in favor of that See, mm. All right. Fair um, enough.
0: I, I can say one thing that I, I think that this movie does that a lot of other movies wouldn't do, which is the character of Miles Dyson, the
1: man who oh, will yeah.
0: create Skynet.
1: The, the other heavy lifter for emotions in this movie. Oh, God, he's yeah.
0: so... I, Joe Morton is really great in this role, and what I think is that... Miles Dyson may be the greatest human being who has ever lived, that almost any other movie would make him a fucking corporate douchebag, or would make him the guy who is that I, you know, it's only after Judgment Day happens and you go, what have I done? Yes. That he would have been like, no, you don't understand, and that he's this, one, he's a family man, he's
1: rich, he has everything to lose in this movie, that I mean, he's yeah, a yeah, he, but dude, when a guy comes in breaks into your house and almost kills you, and then pulls the skin off his arm to show that he's got a metal a, a, a skeleton inside, I think you're convinced. Yeah, you <laughs> I know, think you're fucking I,
2: I think that fucking scene is brilliant because it is immediately convincing. But I do agree with Mike. I think that the human element, right? Like he listens and he doesn't fucking try to defend himself, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Like,
2: he thinks about things the way I like it, because i he thinks about things as a scientist would, right? He's not thinking, oh, somebody's going to get their hands on this. He's like, wow, this is radically different stuff. This was fucking light years ahead of anywhere we were thinking. And he, and catches, look, and he catches himself, himself right? Yeah. He goes, and he immediately oh, comes
1: back yeah. of and like-
2: immediately becomes willing to put – not just his career, but his entire fucking life on the line. Yeah, And I think that is such a cool character. I think that's great. That, I really well like that. that he's that's, basically that
0: goes, willing to ruin his whole life. That even if he survived the assault on the, the Cyberdyne system's building... He is now a domestic terrorist. There yeah. are no medals that they hand out for someone who prevents a dark yeah. future because yeah. you can't prove a thing that you prevented. I mean, he's I going
1: th- to jail. That's part and parcel of the through line for this movie, which I really like because it's a repudiation of something we see all too much in, in like big fa- sci-fi fantasy movies, which is the destiny part. Is that The thing that they... And they kind of throw it in your face, the no fate but what you make part, is that clearly Miles Bennett Dyson is the architect most directly responsible for Judgment Day. However... Miles Dyson gets to choose to to avert it. Yes. Like so it's not like it's not like you know it's not like fate is going to th- going to throw a monkey wrench in it and it's going to stop him from doing it or he'll be he'll be automatically he's going to do it he can't be convinced. The movie actually says you get to have control over your over your life and the choices that you make <laughs> and faced with a choice you could make the choice to avert something terrible and they let Miles have that. They let Manali, they let, him also, they let him have a heroic death.
0: Yeah, yes. he saves everybody. He gets, he's the one who gets them into the building. He's, he is setting up bombs in his workplace. Yeah. And he knows that there is nothing, this is again the Sarah Connor conundrum, which is that you can be in this position where you are desperately trying to save all of these people and nobody mm-hmm. believes you. And that's the that's the, the beginning of Sarah Connor in this movie is the the future that he is very likely walking towards, and the only person who will ever believe him who's not going to jail is his wife. Yeah, well, and and in the in the DVD version, there's that scene
2: where he, where the Terminator, the one hundred and one, the T one hundred and one, is smashing something with an axe, and he's like, yeah. "Can I see that?" I, I really appreciated that scene. I was like, "Oh, well, the model I'm, of the giant ship." Yeah. yeah, and he's like, "I've spent." I've spent way too many years on this. And then he just screams and smashes it. I love that refutation of like everything that this stands for, right? I think that that's so easily. And even, I think, among a lot of writers, that becomes this, like, I'm going to protect my work, right? But Joe Morton isn't the motherfucker that gets bitten by the zombie and doesn't tell anybody, right? Right, right. Joe Morton, fucking Miles Bennett Dyson is the guy that fucking goes out and fucking buys everybody else's yeah. time because he knows he's going to die anyways. Well, I
1: mean, everyone gets to, the characters get to make choices in this movie. There's not, there's, uh, with the, even the, send, even the sending back mm. of the Terminators through time, which is the biggest sort of deus ex machina conceit for this plot are choices made by characters that have consequences and there are, th- there are ways that the main characters get to deal with this sort of thing and that that's great, that's fantastic that you, where you don't, I mean I think what the Jim Cameron on the commentary said one of the only deus ex Machinist thing he did was having Danny's remote control car hit him in the leg. Yeah. So he ducks at the last second before his monitor gets shot out. By the way, if you're
0: building a machine that will destroy the world, you probably shouldn't have your office near an open window when in the down, view yeah. of a grassy knoll. <laughs> yeah. Well, and
2: my whole thing is just that, okay, so you work for a fucking secu you work for this fucking firm that does this top secret government shit and they're letting you take that shit home? No, they're not. No, no they're fucking not even in the nine not even in the early nineties. You're not taking that shit home. But I mean it's it's nitpicky things right because i was i was watching it and i was like wait a minute they just blew up cyberdyne how are there still terminators but then i was like wait a minute his arm there's still two no there's still two term well not just that there's still two terminators fucking walking around right i think everybody is allowed to have a moment in this Yeah. yeah like john has great moments The T-101 has great moments. Robert Patrick, I remember reading interviews with him. He is so fucking great in this as he has no expression. And he's getting to throw this guy. They picked him because of uh, Die Hard 2. Mm -hmm. And he's getting to throw arguably the biggest action star in the world at this part, at this point in time. Fucking getting them, throw him around and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember reading interviews about him where he was like, "Yeah, that was kind of unreal."
1: Yeah. Like throwing Arnold. Tr- well, he's tr- he he looks, he looks. He looks unreal. I yeah. mean, you see him running. You see the part that, and you know, some of it is then just cutting, so it looks like he covers a long distance. Or when he's firing the gun, that wasn't sped up. Yeah. He's just so fucking fast. And he's do, like, do, do, fucking, do, do, like do, he sh-
2: trained really hard to be able to run at those speeds and yeah. not look... And without
0: looking winded. But yeah, exactly. he, he is face... It's, again, this is the thing that makes a like, really good Terminator performance, which is that single-mindedness. Yeah, He does not look away. If something's an inconvenience, he deals with it in the most, you know... The efficient way possible, because he has one goal, and these things are getting in the way of the goal. And the other thing I love that they do with Robert Patrick is, one, he's cast to be Arnold's opposite. That Arnold is a huge dude, and this is a slender dude. Arnold dresses like a biker. This guy dresses
1: like a police officer. Yeah, no, that, so that's actually a big. I noticed that on on a couple of one of these viewings. Um, this there is this there's this through line this this uh, theme through that is um, the man versus like the underground people yeah. because the good guys are all underground people. They're you're dressed in a leather uh, uh, you know a leather biker outfit or you're you're running guns with people south of the border and who are the bad guys? The people who are security guards at a mental institution, cops. <laughs> You know like are you, are you, like s- it's it's definitely an an, an establishment anti-establishment thing. Are
2: you, are you saying that James Cameron has a very like subtle vein of <laughs> anti-authoritarianism <laughs> anti anti-establishment like Ideology that runs through all of his maybe, movies. Maybe a little that's bit. That's totally. That's not a
0: thing. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah, a yeah only in everything he's ever <laughs> only, done. Yeah. Literally <laughs> fucking everything. But it, it just. Oh, God. Everything from uh, Whalen yutani to the horrible rich people in Titanic. I mean, <laughs> oh, it's everything. God, everything. But yeah, it's 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 great because it also gives the T1000 an ability that besides from shape-shifting, that the original one didn't, which is there's an aftermath of, of shit that's blown up, and cops are there, and there's sirens, and now the bad guy can walk up without causing a disturbance and ask questions or show a photograph to somebody, and people, even even though he's an L.A. cop in the early 90s, people <laughs> trust him. Yeah, yeah. I think that he just, to me, it's
2: it's... It's as much the points where he has been thwarted and he just gets his expression doesn't change. He just turns around. He's like, "Okay, I'm going to go to the next thing.
0: Right. And that's the bit of the performance that I really love, which is that he does emote in little ways, but he emotes the way a sociopath emotes. Yes. He'll smile or he'll say something, but the smile never reaches his eyes. He said that he studied
2: uh, he would move his head the way bald eagles do.
0: So that's great. He's just,
2: like, just emotionless, right? Like a predator.
1: Say, <laughs> that's a nice bike. <laughs> that's a nice, so
2: here's the thing. He says that line weird. Do you guys think he, he says- He says all like,
1: of the lines just a little a bit off. A little bit Everything off. Everything is just a little bit weird.
2: So, so what should be, hey, that's a nice bike, becomes, hey- that's a nice boik. And me boyk. and my bro- – that was a th- an in-joke for me and my brother. is We would, like, exaggerate. So I was like, hey, that's a nice boik.
0: Right?
2: <laughs> and it was just be, like, a catchphrase we would say to each other. But uh, the, I,
1: I, well, I think what's really memorable about – that we haven't really discussed is, like, obviously, this was at the forefront – this is 91. This was at the forefront of convincing CGI effects – In movies, but going back on it now, looking back on it now, you realize how um, it was in a time when CGI was in such its infancy, and they could only do so much that they really had to. That and this is the thing that Jim Cameron is great for is planning out beforehand how they're going to match up. So it was it was a power team of Stan Stan Winston doing all the practical effects. And ILM doing all of the computer generated effects and moving those two in the same world. So a a a cut from when, you know, um, John's foster mom, Janelle, uh, is talking on the phone to making her hand into a blade and stabbing her you know her dad through the head it, you know that, that's a practical effect and then the next shot is her hand morphing back her you know the blade morphing back into a hand like those two have to be totally seamless and they're done so amazingly well that now you know 25 30 years later um you're like oh it still holds up this is it still does. A fantastic and i think thing. this yes. is the
0: same thing we said about jurassic park which is that jurassic park um with spielberg spielberg realized that you don't push the special effects to their absolute apex in your movie you go to about a b you push it to about that level because you know that that's the level at which you try uh to match the the cgi effects with a bunch of practical effects in there because that's the stuff that'll make it age when you always push it to the absolute apex of what's possible that's where you fail in 10 years when you try to rewatch it so most of the cgi effects in this are metallic goo and yeah. metallic goo is the best stuff you could do with CGI <laughs> yeah, at the very beginning. Yeah, absolutely, you wouldn't have tried to create Gollum back in 1991.
2: No, yeah. and I, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think you could have done it convincingly. There's like three and a half minutes of just the T1000 in this, and and it's amazing to me because that morphing technology was so like cutting edge. And this is the thing Cameron has always been really good at is pioneering new ways to do effects. But yeah. it is really it's fucking astounding to me how well there's only a couple shots in this movie that you're like, Oh, okay. That's, that's like the scene where they're driving at night is clearly like they're using a back screen and
1: yeah, there's, there's a lot of rear projection in this, (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, there's there's a lot, just exactly like the, what I was saying with practical effects of Stan Winston side by side, juxtaposed with CGI, um, rear projection of like Arnold with a, a long shot of stunts and, the fucking stunt work in this movie is also amazing. Yeah, there's like a, there's a, an, oh, an, ama- an immense amount of stunt work that you just wouldn't God. do now. Like, no. there's a bit where the T-1000 uh,
0: rips the elevator open and Sarah, the Terminator, and John are in there and Terminator just blasts him in the face point blank with a shotgun uh-huh. and it splits the T-1000 sort uh-huh. of apart and that's a practical effect. Yep. And nowadays, I think you would do that all CGI yep. and yes. it's the, the mixture of these two things, knowing when to do CGI and when to do... Um, that there's a restraint that I think that that's what makes something age well Mm -hmm. is when you push it too hard, too early that you have to wait for the technology to get there before you get to that point. Always hold back just a little bit, which is why there's so much stuff at night, I think in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. But the other thing too, is how, how restrained they are in the use of the T-1000's powers. You don't see him shape shift for like 30, 40 minutes that the first time you see him, you see him, Basically, he's blocked by the cop, but he could have just punched through his heart the way Arnold did to those guys at the bus station right. in the first one. Yeah. But, you know, it could have been a knife, but you just see him kill the guy, and the next shot, you see him walk out, and he's wearing the uniform already. So you know, watching the movie, as somebody who's already seen it, that he shape-changed into the uniform. Right, right. But you don't know what his powers are, and it's only, you don't even know that he can shape-change until you see the foster mom change back into him. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the big reveal. They they hold it back a little bit. And it's only when you're like and and you're like, "Why is she acting so weird?" And she does that arm. When she does the stab arm, it's off camera just. <coughs> yeah, and that's a great <laughs> reveal. I I think that practical
2: effects unfortunately, it's just it's becoming cheaper and cheaper to use CGI. I think that no, I
1: mean uh, it's 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 also just laziness. I think it actually is just laziness. I mean, you look you can look at the original Lord of the Rings trilogy and see also how they did the same thing that they would try that Peter Jackson and his crew would try their damnedest to find ways of say like making, uh, uh, making. Frodo's table, Bilbo's table in the house, like this weird, crazy forced perspective so that Ian McKellen can sit on one end and Elijah Elijah Wood can sit on the other end and have it look like, oh, he's so much larger. That buttress with, oh, in the next shot, it actually is them both in a green screen and they're composited in on the you know, picture right, of the set. Right, right. Like, um, they just wouldn't do it anymore. They would just do it all, it would just be all green screen. It's just easier. Yeah,
2: no, and I, well... And we see the problems you run into when you do that with the Star Wars prequels, right? Yeah. It's like that feels very forced because nobody is where they actually are. They're all acting in front of a green screen. I think that on the flip side, you have something like Fury Road, which made very good use of practical effects. And that felt much more real and much more urgent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that um, that, oh God, the scene where he just fucking shoots him point blank in the face is great. The moments of this movie are so, I, I think they're, um, they all hit. Yeah. yeah. Like, they all hit exactly the way they're supposed to, and I think that's hard to do. Uh, uh, they hit and uh, they stick with you, too.
1: Especially uh, Sarah Connor uh, hanging onto a chain link fence while the blast wave oh, from a nuclear um, bomb is tearing her apart while she's screaming at the top of her lungs. That's, so,
2: I you may have read this, too. I I like to read the trivia on IMDb because it's fascinating shit. Stan Winston wanted to make a really realistic depiction, so he studied nuclear blasts, and apparently somebody from the government watching it said that it was the most realistic
0: <laughs> nuclear blast they had ever seen on film. Ah. Because it isn't just an explosion. she, The, the heat no, hits the, first.
2: Yes, and the, oh my God. Yeah, everyone like, bursts into flames. That, as growing up in, in, the, in the 80s, in the early 90s, especially in the 80s when nuclear war was still a thing that, like, my, my kid doesn't fucking, she's not in, living fear of nuclear war, but yeah. I grew up I grew up with movies like Amazing Grace and Chuck, which was all about nuclear war, <laughs> and like there were episodes of The Twilight Zone about it. Right? It was like this was this you know the Cold War was in its in its death spiral, but it was still a very apparent thing. Yeah. And, you know, my parents both came from the era of duck and cover. Yeah. So. Um, that that scene always sat with me because that's it's it is so well done that it makes you feel ill a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like when you see them on fire and you're just you realize that this is not something that people are just going to walk away from.
1: Right.
0: No, that scene sticks with people. Yeah, And I, I'm, I've i talked to a bunch of people who, there's one thing from Terminator 2 they remember, it's that dream sequence of the nuclear war, where Sarah Connor sees the person she could have been through that chain link fence, and she's screaming to tell people that they need to be afraid, but no one will believe her, and, and you, no one will hear yes,
2: her. I thought that was a brilliant piece of filmmaking, too, because you can't, you can hear the kids playing, you can't hear her, though. Yeah. You can't hear her screaming on the other side You of just the hear fence. that shaking fence. Yeah,
0: and God, damn is that oh, it's really these are the scenes that i think really say linda hamilton how did she not get her own film franchise after yeah. this cuz she's amazing in this she should have been one of the biggest action stars of the 90s because
1: of this well
2: i think she i think she withdrew a little bit
0: yeah,
1: I don't no, know. I, could say the, the I think fame. I, what I think she happened is that she married James Cameron and became a mom. What happened? Which is well, not But
2: was? I thought weren't they married at the time of this?
1: Not no. Uh, I I thought no, it was the, after. The, I think
2: okay. It's they like, were I, at least seeing each other though.
0: I'm sure they were. But yeah, for for a movie where there, everyone gets these moments, and Sarah Connor gets a lot of moments in an Arnold headed movie. Yeah. Uh, the other one I, I really have for Sarah Connor is the sequence where she squares off with the T1000 yeah. in the steel factory. It's she's been stabbed through the arm shot in the leg Uh, shot in the leg the T-1000 and she's got this shotgun and her arm is damaged so she can't pump it in the regular way so she just throws her arm up and racks it bam and the sound and the music and the performance it's it's one of the it's not just a great action movie moment it's a great movie moment no it's and the thing I fucking appreciate
2: about that so much is the shell she drops when he initially comes up those stairs oh. is the shell that would have sent him over the chain and yep. into the molten metal. Yep. Oh god! And like I fucking love the little touches like that.
1: Yeah. yeah, he's full of those those insert shots, like stepping on his glasses in the middle of the hallway. Uh, yes, that's there, like that. The, J- Jim Cameron, he establishes the geography of a scene, and then sometimes he'll just throw in a little close up cut to something, and you're like, oh, that's fucking. That's Perfect. Yeah. So in in a
0: rewatch, you notice the little details like at the very beginning where he goes into the biker bar and one of the guys he chucks through the front window when he walks out uh, wearing that one biker's clothes and he goes up to the motorcycle in the background. You can see that one biker unconscious going.
1: Uh, uh, On the hood of a car, rolling around. Yes, that he's
0: still out there, still in pain. It's those little things, and the sound design in this movie is incredible too. Everything from like when the T1000 is disguised as the floor, and he takes his foot off, it makes this kind of peeling sound. So everything in this
2: movie was foley, which which blows my fucking mind Mm. because, I, I the sound design is. Fan fucking tastic. Like yeah, the scene where he ta- this Oh sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was the scene where he takes the shotgun out of the roses and he steps on it Oh, a yeah. oh. crunch. Yeah. And the sound it makes when you shoot the T one thousand. Like apparently all of most like most of the sound effects in this are are all foley, and that's that's incredible to me. Yeah,
1: I mean, there is there is a sound that pistols make in this movie that's very unique that you don't hear. There's a sound that punches make that does not sound like punches in another movie and shotguns and stuff. Oh yeah, um, they just there there is just a a flavor to the way that the the soundscape of this movie, including Brad Fidel's score yes. too, which is like we were doing it at the opening of this particular podcast. But I mean, even that, even the dun 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 dun. Is like it's it's be, it has become pop culture in as much as any other element of that. That's is. Brad Fidel yeah. actually hitting metal. Yeah, it's his
2: yeah. cast iron skillet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. This this movie is. It would have been so easy for this to just be a product of its time, in the way that, um, of course I can't think of anything else right now. But uh, nothing compares. Yeah, I, I mean, it really doesn't. <laughs> I think it, it's up there with movies like Blade Runner. Where, like, it really is successful and just about everything it sets out to do. And by the end, when, I mean, we haven't talked that much about Arnold, but he's fucking incredible in this. Yeah, he is. The transition he does, I I mean, I I know that he got the shit beat out of him doing it, too. Like, when he's doing the John Wayne fucking, like, spinning the the fucking shotgun. Yeah, I mean, like, that tore the shit out of his fingers. And he had to keep doing that, not just because... It was hard to do, but because he had to shoot that
1: fucking lock and make it look. Yeah, like he's a robot and doesn't feel pain. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and like he didn't care. Like he was, there was no way he wasn't going to hit it.
1: Well, what was the point that, that uh, so in week one, our listeners would have heard. Uh, Matt Goodman talking about um, a Terminator and a robot wouldn't blink when a when a gun was discharged. Yes, um, yes. And you'll notice in this one, um, Arnold is so good that even when he's walking through like in the Cyberdyne building and there are explosions going off, there's, there's no flinching. He just no. goes from he just goes walks from one place to another, pulls out the gun and shoots. No flinching like he is he is uh, completely dedicated to being an unstoppable, like emotionless. Machine. Uh,
0: the, the other little bits things it does too. Uh, right at the very beginning, when he grabs the shotgun out of the bartender's hands, that whoop! Yes, yeah. and he moves so quickly. It is just like it's like that is the most terrifying thing a human can be, which is unafraid of your shotgun and just walks right up, pulls it out of your hand, and the same thing with the sunglasses, pulls the sunglasses out slowly. Opens them up with one hand before putting them in. Even (laughs) though it's nighttime. (laughs) Yeah. And that, and when the guy hits him in the back of the head with a pool cue, and his head just darts around, you're like, oh, fuck. And it's the same thing, too, is when he gets off the bike when the guy with the shotgun threatens him, they don't just have him get up and run at him. He stops, puts down the (laughs) kickstand. Yes. And that kickstand is one of the most threatening things I've seen (laughs) in anything.
2: And then he gets on the bike and he doesn't even look behind him and he just puts the fucking shotgun away because he already knows what bike it is and he already knows where that shotgun would go. I find myself wondering how many times they had to shoot that for him to just fucking do that that way.
1: I mean, that just speaks to the brilliance of how well planned, how well thought out Jim Cameron makes Every bit in this movie, every little yes. every little visual beat in the movie is so well planned, and it, it, it works to Arnold's advantage too because um you know uh I, what is it I think Jim Cameron said in the commentary that um uh Arnold Schwarzenegger had no hesitation whatsoever to revisiting the character again like he just he com- he completely jumped on it and um he was worried after Jim Cameron pitched it to him he was worried that uh no I'm supposed to be the bad guy like that sort of thing um Arnold understood right away he was like oh yeah we can make to make this character be the hero instead of being the villain that's just like at that point arnold was flexible enough to understand yeah i you can totally do it i've i've been this character before we can make it something more
0: He, he takes a character that should be just a machine that only has one purpose like a hammer and makes it something where not only does he have this just really decent protective relationship with john that you see affects even sarah connor That Sarah Connor has hardened herself to the point that this is my future. This is what I have to do. She doesn't trust it, but it wins her over. That the idea that he, it's like he learns how to be a good person without the emotions that make us selfish or hateful or any of this thing. This idea that this robot is actually supremely self sacrificing. That handshake, man. Yeah. that, That whole
1: self-terminate that, that thing too then you ma like uh. the,
2: the everything him fucking the fight he gets into i love in the dvd how after he after the t-1000 puts himself together he's actively malfunctioning he's broken yeah, yeah like i like that because it gives you this idea that like oh maybe if you had hit this thing hard enough you could have stopped it right like the cracks are starting to show yeah but just when uh when the when Arnold just he fucking yanks that pry bar out of him and he's just like yanking it out and he's just like he throws it away like he's tired yeah and and he's just you're you're like part of your brain is thinking there's no logical reason for a robot to act that way but then the overwhelming part of my brain is like this isn't just a ro- a robot right yeah. like this is a this is he's been learning from people right like he is He's he knows what his mission is and he has to do it and he will fucking do it at any cost, and mm. and all of a sudden you realize the tables have turned right. This is not something he is he absolutely will not stop until he fucking saves your ass. Yeah, yeah. And if that includes him having to fucking put him lower himself into the lava, which let me tell you something, broke my little fucking thirteen year old. Jesus heart yeah. Christ! Wide open that fucking oh. thumbs up at the end. I think is universally acknowledged as like, one of the first fucking feels moments of pop culture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I don't give a fuck who you are. That moment hit
1: you. Yeah, my I, I saw that movie with my dad, and of car I was like 11 at the time, and uh, I was clearly like emotionally and we we walked out of the theater and it was bright outside because it was the summer and he goes you crying there a little bit and I was like no <laughs> it was one of, those, one of those you know one of those moments where I was like yes it was it's fucking it's it's there's heart there's definitely heart there yeah. I get choked up watching it and I've seen this movie dozens of times uh, it's,
2: yeah it's just you want to fucking salute the goddamn TV screen because it's so noble and um I I yeah it's just he nails it so well and that's it it's It's funny because I think it would be easy to write up until this point, I think it's easy to write Arnold off as kind of a one-note person, yeah, right? Like even twins, I think he's funny in twins, but i I think it would be very easy to write him off as just a one-trick pony, but in this, I really think he showed his chops, like i I really buy everything that he does. I buy his transition. It never feels phony or forced to me. I never feel like I'm being emotionally manipulated because I've connected with the characters and I've connected with him, right? Like, I totally buy that this robot from the future, once he started learning, understood that he was the threat, right? And that uh, even though that was a secondary level threat, even though it was what was inside of him that was the threat, he understood that to fulfill his mission, he had to eliminate Mm.
0: himself. Yeah. 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 Oh God! It's it's <laughs> fucking heavy, man. Uh, <laughs> it
2: is. And the music, the fucking score, we talked about a little bit, yeah. but the scoring of this movie is perfect. Yeah. It is exactly what it needs to be. Once again, not overscored. The music underscores everything perfectly, and it's this perfect blend of like synthesizer and percussion that just is driving, but at the same time, really,
1: like. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't it doesn't feel like Star Trek the Motion Picture, right? It has no. its own feel.
0: I, I I will say one thing. We haven't talked at all about Earl Bowen as uh Dr.
1: Silberman. Oh, oh God. But <laughs> I love that. I love that bit of continuity of him having yeah. him being a character back from the first one yeah. c- as a secondary character. He is the luckiest motherfucker alive. I,
2: but I don't feel bad for any See, bad man. No, he's a slimy to that guy cuz he is a slimy motherfucker. He is such a piece when, of shit. <laughs> It's I was um so she hits him with a nightstick and he's like, You broke my arm and she goes, There's two hundred and fifteen bones in the human body. That's one of them. And I was like, Actually, Sarah, it's entirely possible you broke two of them because there's two bones in your body. She had really
0: <laughs> fucking hard. There's a
2: fucking radius and the ulna, and you probably just broke both of them. So I points points for like good line. But let's think about that a little bit more.
0: Her first line with him was pretty fucking uh, great too. Where yeah. he brings in like the med students and he's being a condescending shit to her. Yeah. And she goes Hello, Dr. Silverman. How's the knee? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She yeah. looks so
1: terrifying with her hair like that in the oh, beginning. Oh, God. It's like,
2: like, and she's fucking, like, ripped, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you,
0: you're lucky that door's there.
2: And that's, I love when she, like, you go from there where she's wearing all white and she's kind of innocent and neutral right she can't affect much change to when she comes out of Enrique's place and she's dressed like a fucking terminator yep, yeah yeah and and she's yep. she's assumed the role of terminator and i i love that i fucking love that visual shorthand for that it's it's so cuz she's the only
0: person in this movie that changes
2: clothes
0: yeah hmm. she's she's also the character that her, i really love about her arc is that it's about her making these decisions to become the Terminator and how both her meeting an actual Terminator and her interactions with her son pull her back from the abyss. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That moment in in Dyson's house where she goes, that's it's the first moment she's acknowledged John. And she goes, she goes, you came back to stop me. And he goes, yeah. And she's just like, oh, I love you. Right. And it's like, oh, there she is.
1: Right? No, but she, then, right after that scene, she's sitting on uh, smoking and she's saying, You men, you never know what it's yes. like to have a life growing inside you. Like, you realize that she's still shattered in all the ways that have made her this crazy near Terminator killing machine. She's still this insanely shattered, broken person. Yeah. You know?
0: yeah absolutely. Yeah. And it's one of the moments where John gets to step up and be the grown up and go, Mom, we're <laughs> not really being yes. constructive here. That which I, I really
2: appreciate. I. I cannot get over how well this movie has aged, just how yeah. good almost everything about it is. There's there's very, well, uh, almost well, nothing I mean, about well, let's,
1: it. Well, that, that leads to the question, I mean, is this a good movie, Joe? This is this a, this a fucking great movie. Yeah, yeah, obvious. I, th-
2: I think that if you are a fan of action movies, you need to watch this. If you're a fan of Arnold Schwarzenegger and you somehow have not seen this, you need to watch it. I think that... If you're a fan of sci-fi or even speculative fiction, uh you should watch this. This I think it's it If you want to cry really, about a robot, if you want to cry <laughs> about a robot, fucking watch this. This is an amazing movie. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean I'll I'll concur it's 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 clearly foundational for uh for science fiction. I think I really don't think before this time you'd ever really had a like a huge summer blockbuster movie that was you know and then the, the, after this you have like things like men in black and stuff but before this i don't think you could do a giant h- hugely successful summer blockbuster sci-fi tinged or slightly sci-fi movie and this one sort of set the stage and for better or worse yeah
2: and uh, i am oh, sorry go ahead. no no and,
1: and 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 that and uh it's in it's enduring legacy is of course like the terminator was a, a, a meme was a, a a firm part of our uh, the sort of pop culture but only in in like in a very narrow stripe of people who liked action movies this one i think just like Mike, i think mike said like your grandma or you said your grandma would actually have seen this uh, this movie um it elevated arnold to the to the fore it elevated a certain type of super high concept action movies to be to be blockbuster r-rated Wait, is this pg-13 or r it must have been r R. it must have been r because of the fucking blood um and and, and, numerous fucks yes numerous
2: numerous fucks (laughs)
1: uh so definitely you know this is i think i teased it on one of our i mean this is this is my number one favorite arnold movie I mean, just, and it's, it's, it's cliche, but it's because it's, it's not good. I, I could watch this movie
0: a thousand times. Um, I, when prepping for this, I probably hadn't seen this movie in at least six years hmm. and I knew that I liked it, but I didn't quite remember how great it was because I know like, like we said before about the, the Marvel movies is that. There are movies that are just popcorn things, they're sort of disposable, but they're fun and there's some good character moments, but you don't really feel anything. This is an action movie where you feel something. And not only can I not it's not gonna be a movie where I just go back to watch the one scene I like on YouTube again. This is a movie I can watch from beginning to end a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna watch this a thousand times more before I die. Everything in this movie works. The horror elements work, the sci-fi works, the emotion works. I I still get choked up with the handshake and the lowering into the steel. Oh my God, the fucking thumbs up. Yeah, Yeah, that's... It, It works. Every part of this movie works. There is no part of this movie that I would cut out. There is no part of this movie that I would change. It's like I've said this about Back to the Future and the original Ghostbusters. It goes into that category of what I call an almost perfect movie, that it did everything it was trying to do absolutely perfectly to the degree that I could watch it forever. I mean, you get great performances out of Linda Hamilton, who again should have won or at least been nominated for best actor. It's the best acting Arnold has ever done in so anything. Too. Yep. It really stretched uh what he could do in a movie. Um Edward Furlong is great. I mean, not a lot of child actors can pull off
1: anger or fear or tears, believably. Especially one who had never acted in a TV show or movie before this. He is so good
0: that even though his character can be an annoying little shit and you just like, like, I don't know when I hit the age where I'm like siding with his foster parents, (laughs) but, there's moments
1: she's not my mom Todd Todd. and you're like oh you little fucks Uh, I was also there too I was like listen motherfucker you get in there and clean your room
2: otherwise are
0: you calling moi a dipshit (laughs) motherfucker those guys came to help you but it's like but at the same time he's great when he needs to be he's great when he needs to step up he's great in the scenes where like the cops have surrounded the Cyberdyne building They're like police and his mom goes how many he's like "Uh, all of them I think and he nails it and he He's he's great. I mean, everyone in this movie, from Miles Dyson to Dr. Silberman, the T-1000 is one of the great movie villains. Yeah. That Robert Patrick managed to do something that could stand toe-to-toe with Arnold as the Terminator in the first mm. one, but is not just a copy. He does things that are completely different. It doesn't just ape the first movie to try to squeeze some more dollars out of people. It creates something new. It expands the franchise. And it 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 it's just a great movie it's, i mean it's I, also
1: just one of the best sequels ever made which is really hard to do i yeah. would
2: i i will say this up until the last year or so i would qualify this as the hands down absolutely best sequel that hmm. is before winter soldier and it's before oh. John Wick Chapter 2. John Wick okay, Chapter 2. Wow.
1: I'd add Aliens to that list, also by James Cameron. A- Empire oh, Strikes fair. Back. Empire Strikes Back was also. Yeah. Yep. There's yep. some
0: really good ones out there. But, but it's,
1: it's in the pantheon, for sure. It's a
0: small list. when yeah. You really you just named off, like, six, but, I mean, if we tried to push that list even bigger, it gets harder well, from here. Well, think
2: about all... I mean, the, the better list to do is to think about all the movies with unsatisfying sequels that were <laughs> awful. Like, I mean, even the fucking, like... You want to, Godfather one and two are great, Godfather three was my God, like soul wrenchingly bad, yeah
0: oh so i I think we've got consensus, but here's the the second question, of course, is Terminator Two a good Arnold movie so Casey said this is you said this is your favorite. Arnold movie, right? Yeah, this
2: oh, is yeah. not my favorite Arnold movie, mm. but I Commando is my favorite Arnold movie. Oh, me too. But high uh, five, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I will say this is objectively the best Arnold
1: movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Yeah if if you were to if you were to write if you were to you know illustrate the canon, this would be the, the jewel in the top of the crown. Yeah. I think not only because it's recognizable and and because it lasts, uh, but because when you picture Arnold in your head, you picture him as the with the glasses in the in the leather on the bike with the, the rifle, you know?
0: This is one of his best performances. Again, the question objectively, I think it's the best movie yeah, I, that he's I, ever I really done. Do. It's the best performance he's ever given that he can make you cry. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the guy who probably has a reputation in Hollywood for making sort of People would joke about him being one node or he's you know, he's got this one thing that he does really well that he throws people around and makes puns, but he's fucking great in this. Yeah. There's an emotional resonance they pull off with Arnold, but at the same time not jettisoning all the things that you want from Arnold. No, absolutely. They it's it's amazing to me because
2: I will say that Edward Furlong, I think, is the weakest part of this movie, and he's still excellent. Yeah, agree. Like I it's it's amazing to me that Especially given Titanic and Avatar, which are movies that I fucking despise, um, just how good, uh, fuck good, how amazing a performance James Cameron was able to get out of everybody in this. Yeah, and agreed. it is down to those little shots, the the stepping on the glasses, you know, to the T-101 picking up the fucking, the grenade and the gun again so yeah. that you know you have them, the missing shotgun shell, all yeah. these little moments That really sell the whole story. It's just, it's a fantastic movie. And I think if you can watch a sci-fi movie 25, 26 years after it's come out, and it still holds up, and you're still watching it like, oh my god, this is amazing...
0: That says something. Yeah. And it hits, it hits those notes that you want out of the Schwarzenegger. What are the things you want out of Arnold? We call it the absurd macho bullshit. You want him kicking ass. Yep. You want him kicking ass? L- have, one-liners. Arnold picks up a jock dude by his hair in this movie. He fires a fucking minigun. <laughs> yes. He is holding that goddamn minigun. That is like the iconic
2: minigun. You, like, he set the stage for that. Everybody that did it afterwards, yeah. he was the genesis of that moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that the minigun was probably in doom because of Arnold in this <laughs> that movie. was a fucking... <laughs> um, Absolutely, that's a fucking lily. He shoots a gas canister into the small of a man's back. Oh, the
2: fucking! He, when he goes out and gets the SWAT van, he's like pulls the one guy's mask off and then he gives him the gas grenade gun and he's like, "Here, hold this." And he pulls his mask off. <laughs>
0: It's just, yes.
2: Everything, they just, they
0: nail it. He uh, does a motorcycle jump, which looks amazing, especially the bounce when it hits. Oh, yeah. Uh, There are things with him throwing grown men onto kitchen grills. (laughs) Uh, The the twirling of the shotgun and him shooting the lock. I mean, you have Arnold fighting 100 cops with the grenade launcher and the minigun, like you mentioned. Helicopter explosions. You have the old Arnold classics, of course, which is, of course, Arnold causing havoc in a mall. Yes. Yep. And yep. Uh, Naked Arnold, Naked, which are two Naked things. things Arnold, yep. Those are you can start That's to a- fill up your Arnold bingo card. <laughs> I mean, the, there are so many movies that it feels like they were written in advance and then they kind of have to alter for Arnold and sometimes those alterations are really noticeable. But this is a movie that at the DNA level was written to emphasize everything great about what Arnold already was, but also proving how good he could be.
1: Of yes, course. Of absolutely. Course. Fucking wow. nailed it. That's uh, th- I don't know how much more we can say about it. No, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nailed it.
2: certainly a, um, a welcome change from the last movie I was in here to talk about. Yes. That,
1: was, <laughs> that was a while ago. Yeah. 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 For you listeners, that was a while ago. So yeah, yeah I, I just, For us, uh, yes. unfortunately. Not, I, maybe,
2: I don't know, maybe I shouldn't do this to give you a little behind-the-scenes magic here. <laughs> we have been in this room since about 4 o'clock, and we just finished talking about... Batman and Robin. Oh, you brought it up again. And, oh, <laughs> oh. of course the time travel. It travels. can't hurt us anymore. It can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> so it's been months for you guys, but this was like, it, it was like when, you, when you're when you out walking around or like at work and there's no water and you finally get home or you finally get to a place where you can get that big glass of water and you drink it and you can just feel it like hydrating you on the way down. <laughs> That's what talking about this movie was like oh, for me. Yes.
0: Yes. It's it was necessary. It was wonderful.
2: Oh, uh, awesome.
0: so Joe Preddy from View from the Gutters, thank you for coming again. My pleasure. And if people want to find you on the internet, find out the work you're doing, where can they find you?
2: Uh, you can find us at viewfromthegutters.com. You can uh, check us out on Facebook, and we're also on Twitter, um, That's where we get you can get your updates from. Uh, you can also find me on there, but I'm 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 hard to find. Incognito, here. but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Incognito Joe. I, I am Incognito. No, I'm I'm Joe Regard. <laughs> That's a story for another time, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, Viewfromthegutters from is the
0: best place. Absolutely, and we will catch you folks next week with. Let's just say there's be a little dip in quality, <laughs> but uh, we'll catch you then next week for Terminator Three. Rise of the Machines uh, I'm, so da-dum, da-dum. <laughs> I'm so sorry I'm
2: so sorry Remember all that amazing stuff that happened in the last movie? Yeah, didn't matter, Wah, didn't yeah. matter. Uh,
1: Get ready to get burned, folks See you <laughs> next week <laughs> Bye-bye Bye. Podcast de la Vista Baby is a production of Radio Versus the Martians and is hosted by Mike Gillis and Casey Doran This podcast is recorded in beautiful Valverde in Seattle, Washington Our chief engineer is Casey Doran and our editor is Mike Gillis our original theme music was written and performed by James Wetzel with opening narration by Dan Lombardo. Special thanks to Sam Movi, Rob Kelly, James Wetzel, Paul Rue, Tobiah Panshin, Scott Kramer, Kyle Hepworth, and Dan Lombardo. Please take the time to rate and review our show on iTunes and Stitcher and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please consider becoming one of our Patreon subscribers. Even just a dollar a month gives you access to exclusive episodes. And finally, you can find us online at PodcastDeLaVistaBaby.com and com. Why do we stop now?
0: Now you got to promise me
2: you're not going to kill anyone, right? Right. Swear?
1: What?
0: Just put up your hand and say, I swear I won't kill anyone.
1: I swear I will not kill anyone.
0: All right, let's go. Pisting hours is ten to four, Monday through Friday. What the hell are you doing? Oh, you son of a bitch! You shot me! Crazy <laughs> he'll live